Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20Cortimus. That's right. Redcon1.com. All right, guys, and welcome to Don't Tread on America. I'm your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? Welcome to the show. Coming to you live. Well, I'm live. You'll hear this when you hear it, but nonetheless. Coming to you from the Detom Studios in the free state of Florida. That's right, guys. It is May 2nd, 2022. Year's almost half over. Can you believe that shit? I mean, damn, time flies when you're getting fucked. Oh, <laughs> and that's not disinformation. Uh, I don't need the ministry of truth knocking on my door. So, sugar water. Anyway, brought to you in part by Maker's Mark Bourbon. Okay, so, um, as you know, we are a brand ambassador of Maker's, Maker's Mark Bourbon. And uh, as of lately, I have uh, become quite fond of the whiskey. Uh, uh, shout out to uh, Christopher J. McGillicuddy there. But nonetheless, um, we started. I really started drinking old fashions. I drink them <laughs> a lot. I, you know, I was a big, big beer drinker. I still drink beer. But um, these old fashions are pretty good. I had someone ask me, how do you make an old fashioned? All right. So here you go. You buy the stuff and make it. Sugar water, no. So um, they have. There's a brand of uh, old fashioned mix. It's called uh, Barsmith. They're not a sponsor, so whatever. I don't care. Um, the that that's the easy way. I mean, there are other ways you can look up ingredients on uh, online, but all the the mix and everything's in in that. So the way the ingredients read on it is like two ounces of whiskey or uh, rye whiskey, whatever, mixed with. Um, an ounce of that bar smiths so the way i do it is and, and chris taught me this you take an orange slice put it at the bottom of the of your whiskey glass you muddle it so if you don't know what that is take a uh well i mean i have a a utensil but you could use a spoon or whatever and just kind of mush up the the orange uh get you some ice cubes if you don't have the big fat whiskey ice cubes any ice cubes to do it doesn't matter um Put some in there. And then um, the way I do it is is I have a shaker. So what I do is I put some ice cubes in that. Put, you know, four ounces of whiskey in there. You know, a little bit, an ounce or so of the, uh, of the Bar Smiths. And then I shake it. And then I use that to pour into my glass. And that usually makes about two glasses or so. Uh, put you some cherries in there. Um, I... Sometimes I'll use the <laughs> Old Smoky Mountain Moonshine Cherries, uh, which really give it a kick with the uh, extra moonshine. Uh, I just bought some uh, cocktail um, cherries. They're a little, they're not cheap, but nonetheless, they do give it a little, give it a little sweetness to the drink. So there you go. Um, whiskey of your cho- choice, bourbon of your choice, whatever you want to use. Uh, if you want to use Maker's Mark, that'd be great. Um, but anything will do. Um, obviously the better the whiskey, 
the better taste that you will have. So there you go. And with that being said, this week we are going to do, I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn with it being Monday, but nonetheless, we will come back and do our DTOM files. Uh, scheduling conflicts arose over the last two weeks between the two of us. But uh, hopefully everything lines up this week and we will bring you another show of the DTOM files. I can't tell you what we're going to talk about. Um, it's different. We're, we're trying to find um, conspiracy theories that aren't mainstream. Con I mean, what we're going to talk about isn't out of the blue, so to speak. Um, some people that listen to the show will know what we're talking about. And others that don't will probably, I hope, will find it pretty interesting. So please um, look out for that show. That'll be Friday. Um, but with that being said, guys, if you're not already following us on Facebook and or Twitter, please do so. You'll get all the show updates, anything going on. Plus, we post some crazy, stupid memes and whatnot. Um, we're a little over a 1,000 followers on our Facebook page. Love to have more. Really trying to work in a situation where we can start doing some live shows on Facebook, however long that'll last before we get kicked off. But nonetheless, um, like I said, there's 1,000 or so people on there, and uh, a fraction of them know that we do a show. The rest of them, I think, just follow it because of the memes. But nonetheless, uh, Facebook page, Don't Tread on America on Facebook. On uh, Twitter, it's a DTOM, D-T-O-M underscore 1775. And also, if you subscribe to the website, DontTreadOnAmerica.com, you'll find out everything you need to know about the show and when we're doing them. Now, generally, I try to stick to a Sunday, Wednesday, Friday routine. However, the wife was off yesterday, so I'm bringing you the show today on Monday. Um, nothing breaking, nothing going crazy. So, in scouring the internet and the Twitter page and so on and so forth, I'm trying to find <clears throat> news that isn't the same old shit, different day type, type news. So, here we go. Yes, there was another fire at a food processing plant. So, if you guys haven't heard, there is a uh, stream of, of these things going on. Not just necessarily fires, but let me read this story. This is out of Chesapeake, uh, Virginia. This happens late Saturday night. A fire took place at a Purdue Farms facility in South Norfolk in uh, the area of Chesapeake Saturday evening. The uh, Chesapeake Fire Department is currently working on the industrial file at the grain processing, they're probably not currently because this was Saturday, um, and storage facility. Firefighters received a call at 8.41 after a plant operator at Purdue acknowledged and verified the fire at the location. All employees in the area were evacuated. So <clears throat> there's that. So you might be thinking, okay, who cares? There was a fire. Fires happen every day. So, so that puts the total this year. So we're, we're just into May around 20 different food processing plants that have had some sort of quote-unquote accident in this country. Now, it's around 24, 25 if you count um, Canada. So, and we get food from there. So, we'll, we'll just call it a little more than two dozen in North America. 
that have had quote unquote accidents. You've had fires, you've had explosions, you've had airplane crashes at all these different facilities. Now, surely over time you have accidents at food processing plants. But if you guys recall back in December, there was a massive frozen potato shortage. If you recall, I remember because we, for for, uh, Christmas, we do a, um, we don't really do a Christmas dinner because me and my wife have to get up early next day generally. So we generally do a breakfast and everyone comes early. We do Christmas, we have breakfast and we needed hash browns, frozen hash browns. And let me tell you, that was a chore. So, and didn't think much about it. Oh, there's a potato shortage, you know, okay. Sure, sure there is. Why not? Because everything else is fucked up, right? Well, come to find out, there was a potato plant in, I don't think it was Idaho, but it was up that way, Wyoming, somewhere around there, which is a major uh, processor of, of frozen potatoes, whether it's your french fries or hash browns or whatever. And uh, they had a fire, did a lot of damage, halted production. And, it, and you, this is Purdue in Virginia. There was a Tyson plant uh, in uh, Arkansas. And there's various different um, entities around the country and in, and in um, Canada that have had these accidents. I think a week or so ago there was an airplane crashed at one in Washington State. I don't know what, what it was, what the um, food processing processing plant was but the point being is if you couple that with all the fertilizer fertilizer shortages now along with the high fuel prices if you guys think food prices are high now just wait i mean we're at what seven last we've last we've heard now in about a little more than a week we're going to get the new inflation numbers which will be next week sometime whatever the 11th is tuesday wednesday um, so when that hits, if we're at seven, nine, or is it seven, nine or eight and a half? It's eight and a half now, right? We're going to be well over nine by, by the time the new numbers come out. And every day, I, I don't, everyone doesn't shop every day, obviously. So if you go to the grocery store once a week, guarantee you, if you're, if you're a typical shopper that kind of buys the same things, week in and week out, you're going to see prices go up. It might be $2 today, and it's going to be 2 20 next week, and it's going to be 2 50 the week after that, and that's going to be $3. And we have no answer. In the meantime, we're constantly seeing these quote-unquote accidents, and it's not small processing plants. It's not like Billy Bob's you know, chicken farm. I mean, you're talking Purdue, Tyson. You know, these are big plants. But um, where we see this in this country, in the guise of it being, you know, it's affecting us, obviously. We see what we see. But with this being the beginning of what, what we believe here at DTOM, as the beginning of the New World Order, it's a world thing. This isn't just an American thing. So I found this article... This was on April 26th. So, this is an exclusive. Destruction of food plants, a global phenomenon. Beyond North America food processing plants, there have been dozens more food processing, processing facilities destroyed in fires and explosions. 
after an exclusive story looking into how a string of food processing facilities in North America have been destroyed, the Western Standard is where I got this from, has found dozens more incidents around the globe. Food shortages are growing concern globally and have been exacerbated by a string of fires, plane crashes, and explosions. Nearly two dozen food processing facilities in Canada and U.S. and beyond North America food processing plants, there have been dozens of more processing facilities destroyed by fires and explosions in the last two years. <clears throat> so these are excerpts of different articles from around the world. So this was Cruiser Battling Large Fire river, Riverway Foods on Tuesday, a sausage factory in the U.K. Here's another one. Monday, 43,000 chickens died in a massive fire that destroyed four chicken houses in a farm in the Dutch town of Houston, Houston um, according to the World News. In March, a fire at a poultry farm in India killed 3,500 chickens. Another poultry farm in India was also hit by fire in March, killing 8,500 chickens. <clears throat> in uh, January, a fire at a poultry farm in Kerala, India, killed more than 2,500 chickens. In December of 21, there were uh, 8,000 chickens were killed in a poultry farm blaze in Sri Lanka. And a massive blaze in Northern Ireland killed hundreds of pigs. Um, let's see, what else has we got here? So these go into late last year. So that last one was November. This is October. Large fire in a poultry farm in Northern Ireland killed 16,000 birds. A large fire in a Chilean food processing plant. <clears throat> and, and it's interesting, interestingly enough, it, you, as I'm breezing through these, no injuries, no injuries, no injuries. Well, thank God for that. But you're seeing chickens, pigs, um, <clears throat> In America, I mean, in these countries, everything's chickens and pigs. It's like, uh, uh, where's this one? In England, 50,000 chickens killed. In uh, Germany, 55,000 pigs killed. In, this was in Florida, 240,000 chickens killed. Blaze. Uh, two huge barns were lost in a blaze. Uh, South Australian vegetable business. Blaze destroyed an estimated $2.5 million of sheds and equipment, according to ABC News. And the list goes on and on and on. So <clears throat> this is a trend going around the world over the past 8, 10 months. Um, we've already been dealing with with food shortages. We've been dealing with food shortages here. Now think about countries that normally deal with food shortages. And now you have hundreds of thousands of chickens dying in these blazes. And for the most part, they're unexplained. Or it's a, um, electrical shortages. Now, if, uh, if you can't see that something strange is going on here. You know, you have Bill Gates buys up thousands of acres of farm of of farm land in the United States. Why is that? We talked about this on a show a while back where Chris brought this up. <clears throat> and a lot of the farmland that he has purchased 
around the country, along with the federal govern government, mind you, um, is near water sources, and it's good farmland. Now, you may ask, well, why is he buying up the farmland? I don't know. He's not farming. He's obviously a big investor in the Beyond Meat uh, company. So, he's one of those people. We've talked about him in the past, whether it's in regards to the New World Order or uh, the WEF or whatever. He's part of the of the establishment. Um, and he's one of those people that believes cows, you know, kill the ozone layer because, you know, they're fucked in the head. But um, nonetheless, he could buy up all this farmland and then not farm it. If you're a farmer and Bill Gates comes to you and says, I want to buy this, your however many acres of land for more than market value, you might think, okay, well, you know, I'm getting tired of working this land and I'm getting old. So, you know, a million dollars sounds pretty good. You can't really fault these people for it. I get it. But the problem is, is we've got to stop faulting these people. We need to start faulting them. We need to start saying, look, you know, you're going to be part of this problem too. You're going to have to deal with this. You know, <clears throat> I don't, I really don't know what to tell you. We have had stories we've talked about where our own government has paid farmers to not farm or what they have farmed, destroy it. So why would that be? If you're a farmer and you farm the land and whatever that crop is that you're farming, and then the government pays you to destroy that product instead of selling it. Why? We don't hear a lot about these things, obviously, <clears throat> because, you know, I don't know why. I mean, maybe because they're all in it together. But nonetheless, we've got to start asking these questions and we've got to get loud. Because now, we talked about this the other day, um, we'll move on to the, the disinformation portion of the show. So, um, before I get into this story... It's important for us to speak out about these things. If you look up stuff, whether you're on Twitter or you're on different substacks, whatever, you've got to pay attention to these things. I told you guys in a show a couple, like a, I think it was Wednesday show, independent journalists are very important to follow. Um, a couple articles I read to you guys off one of the shows recently was from the Gray Zone. Well, now... They're going after the gray zone for disinformation. Um, and the way I look at it is this. Okay, so like in my opinion, the Babylon Bee, you could, you could get them from, for disinformation, but they're a jokester publication. They make fun of things. They're no different. They're, a, they're like the Onion or the, what's it, the Orange Gazette or whatever, <clears throat> or a printed version of Saturday Night Live. You know, they're, they're there to make jokes of situations. Um, the Gray Zone, these different smaller publications, independent publications, they're there to, um, in my opinion, get the truth out. They're not a CNN or an MSNBC or a Fox, for that matter. Um, but because they're not 
those entities, they can't be taken seriously. They can't be truthful. I think some of your best reporting comes from independent journalists because they're not held under the the umbrella of the narrative of whatever company they work for's um, political agenda. I played shows when I did the corrupt state of the Ukraine, the two-part series there. I played you and talked about different excerpts from independent journalists about how a lot of what's going on over there isn't what we're being told. A lot of what's going on over there is being done by the Ukrainian government and the Ukrainian soldiers. Um, I'm not going to get into that. If you want to know what I'm talking about, go listen to the shows. State of uh, the corrupt state of Ukraine, parts one and two. Um, but on to this part. So, speaking of the Ukraine, you may recall the story of the ghost of Kiev. Well, if you recall when the story blew up back in February, late February, we here at the DTOM show called bullshit. And guess what? <laughs> we were right. We were right again. <laughs> so, this just broke on yesterday. The heroic ghost of Kiev fighter doesn't actually exist, Ukraine admits. So this isn't a hyperbolic statement. This isn't me talking shit like I normally do. But the funny thing is, is when, when I and or Chris talk shit about stuff, we're, we're right more than we're wrong. And we talked about this back in February that this didn't seem right. And uh, so they finally came out. The ghost of Kiev is a myth. Ukrainian officials admitted over the weekend, after several news outlets last week identified the legendary mysterious hero fire pilot as a 29-year-old dad recently killed in battle with the Russians. Military officials acknowledged Saturday that there was no such person. The ghost of Cave Kiev um, is a superhero legend whose character was created by the Ukraines. Ukraine's Air Force Command wrote on Facebook. The reputed hero had been credited with taking out as many as 40 Russian 40 Russian aircraft until it was shot down on March 13th while battling an overwhelming number of enemy forces the Times of London had reported the Times identified the supposed Ukrainian hero as Major Stefan Tarabalka while but while Tarabalka was disguised, uh, distinguished as a war hero he was not the ghost because there was never was such a person, Ukraine said. Hero of Ukraine, Stefan Tarabalka, is not ghost of Kiev. He is not, and he did not shoot down 40 planes, said the country's Air Force commander. Instead, the moniker belongs collectively to all the Ukraine's hero fighter pilots, military officials said. The ghost of Kiev is alive. It embodies the collective spirit of highly qualified. So basically, it was a marketing ploy by the Ukrainian government. I'm not going to keep reading the story here. I'm going to tell you what it is. The Ukrainian government and their armed forces created a story of a person to garnish uh, you know, country backing like, oh, we've got a superhero. We've got our, you know, for lack of a better term, Mr. America type person. And it was all fake. Once again, fake, which, in my opinion, is about at least 50% <laughs> of what's coming out of Ukraine is bullshit. 
if you guys actually did the research and didn't listen to what CNN, MSNBC, even Fox, for that matter. I'm not sitting here saying that Fox is telling the truth of this. They're all pushing the same narrative about this. Russia bad, Ukraine good. We've got a route for Ukraine. I mean, hell, you had a delegation of uh, Pelosi and her fucking dipshit McGee party there heading over there. Okay, if it's such a dangerous war zone, why in the hell are we sending top officials to fucking Ukraine? I still don't understand this. We never saw this in the history of our life in a wartime where we send, you know, not just us, but, you know, England sending the prime minister, these different entities going into a war zone. It doesn't make any sense. Open your eyes. They're they're lying to us. Half, like I said before, at least half, if not more so, of the atrocities that's going on over there, it's being perpetrated by their own government, by their own soldiers. And it really bugs the shit out of me that I have to sit there. And this is the kind of stuff that's going to get me in trouble. But, you know, I don't give a fuck because it's the truth. I'm going to get labeled as disinformation, and I'll probably have Dankovic knocking on my fucking door. I don't care because it's the truth. I'm not sitting there. Me and my wife had a conversation yesterday. She goes, we we're talking about this. And she was like, so do you think that Putin is the good guy here? I said, I didn't say that. I think they're both pieces of shit. And I explained to her what I talked about, one of the shows I did was essentially what the way Putin is going about this is he's doing this under the guise of they feel threatened. Russia feels threatened by whomever, whether it's NATO, Ukraine, all the above, U.S. Um, the idea was that they went into Ukraine because of the biolabs that supposedly don't exist, but they do exist. And he went in, you know, I was telling my wife this, you guys that continue, uh, consistently listen to the show, you know what I'm saying because we talked about this. But nonetheless, um, he believed that they were creating weapons of mass destruction in these bio labs. Were they? I don't know. More than likely, probably, yes. Uh, especially knowing now that Hunter Biden and the Biden and all these motherfuckers are involved in this. I, I believe it. So he supposedly, one of the reasons he went into Ukraine, Putin, was because of the weapons of mass destruction and, and the Nazi aspect of it. And Azov Baton, you know, and he went in there under the guise of these people in, in the uh, Donbass region are wanting protection and we're going to help them out. And she goes, okay, well, still, why did he do that? Okay, let me paint a picture for you. <laughs> you know, 10 years ago, we went into, or it was probably a little more than 10 years ago, nonetheless. Uh, we went into Iraq. What was that? 06, 07? Weapons of mass destruction. We felt like there was weapons of mass destruction. We need to go into Iraq. People need help. We need to save them. We went into Iraq. You know, guess what we didn't find? Weapons of mass destruction. She goes, oh, yeah. So I said, it's the same thing. See, but it's different when the U.S. does it because we're, we're, we're America. Right? Russia did the same thing or is doing the same thing that we have done, that this country has done in the Middle East for the past 30 years. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying go Russia. 
But I am saying that the things that America has done hasn't been so great either. And I'm not saying America like the red, white, and blue, the red-blooded Americans like people like me and you. We believe in this country. It's our government that steps out of bounds and thinks that they know best. And I have said for years, even way before doing this podcast, that we need to fucking mind our own business. We need to worry about America. We've sent, now he's trying to get another $33 billion, right, to go to uh, Ukraine. Of course, let's add more motherfucking money to the pot that we still don't know where this money's going to. In the meantime, it would take $6 billion to lock up our southern border. But no, let's worry about fucking Ukraine. Why? Why do we give a fuck? We've got to start worrying about our own problems. Now, I remember, I, th- I think I talked about it here, but there was uh, someone talking about uh, Elon Musk buying um, Twitter, right? Oh, with that money, he could end world hunger or whatever. Whether it was world hunger or American hunger, I don't know, but nonetheless. Okay, cool. And I tweeted the person, this was on Twitter. I went into a little tangent. Well, you know, that's his business. He's a billionaire. It's his money. He can do what he wants. But if he wants to buy Twitter, buy Twitter. In the meantime, (laughs) this country is constantly just giving money to countries that hate our guts. (laughs) Under the guise of humanitarian aid, supposedly. And we're giving it to countries that are crooked as fuck. So you know most of that money is going right into their pocket. So... If we're given, if we end up giving them thirty-three billion more, that puts us out of pocket around forty billion dollars going to Ukraine. Just the United States. That doesn't count with the other countries that's given. So Elon Musk bought Twitter for what forty-something million or billion rather. So we're about the same amount. So you want to sit there and tweet out that, oh, with that money, instead of buying Twitter, he could do this, that, and the other thing. Okay, well, how about this? Without with that money, instead of giving it to fucking Ukrainians, we could be solving our own problems here. We could be helping homeless vets, you know, 22 killed, a, you know, a day. We could be helping suicidal vets, PTSD vets. We could be locking down the southern border. We could be helping our own fucking people. But no, no, we can't do that. We got to worry about what the fuck's going on over there. Why? We don't get to vote on that. We don't get a say in it. Oh, technically we get to vote because we vote for our uh, congressmen and senators and whatever. But we just let it slide. Whatever state you live in, if these, if your senator or congressperson are, is voting for these bills to or these, these packages to be passed, and you don't agree with that, when it comes to voting again, are you going to vote for that person? Probably because you just go in there and, okay, well, you know, fucking Rubio, whatever. Uh, you know, Rick Scott, okay, cool. Um, it's time for us to start paying attention to what the people we elect, and I'm not talking about the president and shit like that. I'm talking about the people that affect you, your local government, your state government, and the people that you put into Washington to represent you. How are they voting? It's all public record. You can look it up. Just got to quit being lazy about it. Instead of getting on Facebook and looking at whatever you look at on Facebook, maybe do some research. It's, it's voting season. Let's pay attention to what we're doing. I didn't mean to get into that tangent because I was talking about disinformation, but it kind of bleeds into the next story. <laughs> so speaking of disinformation, 
The uh, Disinformation Governance Board, we talked about that. Uh, it's interesting. So on uh, Friday, and we talked about it because it was a relatively new story, and everyone's talking of calling it the uh, what the Ministry of Truth, right? And it's a it's a ode to the uh, George Orwell book, the uh, 1984. Um, <clears throat> and everyone's like, it's gonna be they're gonna monitor your anything you do online. They're gonna, I mean, they're gonna start going after anything on YouTube, on these podcasts, uh, whatever. Cool. But um, <laughs> it's interesting now. They they want to shift the focus of this from, you know, it's a DHS agency. So Department of Homeland, Homeland Services, um, which is a policing agency uh, to combat disinformation from around the world. So it's, it's not America. We're not, we, we didn't create this, this uh, disinformation governance board to, to uh, police Americans. It's, it's for the world. Because Facebook and Twitter and YouTube are world entities. So we're going to go after whomever is on these platforms spreading disinformation. In the meantime, to get off on another tangent, because, hi, I'm Don, that's what I do. You, Twitter, bans people like Trump, for example, for saying, for mean tweets. But in the meantime, you got terrorists on Twitter talking about death to America. I'll take a mean tweet saying whatever about whoever. In the meantime, you got Iranians and whatnot over here saying death to America, kill this person, kill that person. That's cool. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But he said a mean tweet, Donald Trump, we need to take him off. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes forward because don't think for one minute that this isn't designed to go after Americans. I mean, don't you think it's very convenient timing to have this created shortly before we start the midterms. Okay, we're in May. You're going to start seeing early voting. Um, obviously, campaigns are going to start heating up. Whatever state you live in, that you have a governor's race or even your local mayor, mayoral race or school boards. or you know, And those are hot topics right now, especially like school board and your mayors and your, um, your governors. Those are hot topic races right now. We always usually blow past those things but look what happened in virginia last year those are those are important because of the crt situations and all these different things going on but it's convenient that now we're going to have this governance board to um to monitor social media and see what people are saying but it's interesting so this was on um cnn yesterday and uh, this is, what is, uh, what is uh, Tucker call him? I think Coffee Boy, whatever, Brian Stelter, Stelter, whatever. And he's whining and crying about how this uh, whole uh, speak about the disinformation governance board is a Fox narrative. Here in the U.S., there's been a, an uproar in recent days about the Department of Homeland Security setting up what they call a disinformation governance board. Um, this has been mostly a Fox World story. It, uh, it, it could come up earlier today on CNN State of the Union. 
But I don't think people know what it is and what it isn't. And there's just been a lot of, of right-wing uproar without knowing what it is. So do, are you in, uh, aware of this at all? What is this all about? Aware of it, and I think the first thing is is that it's abort, exactly as we say. It, it is meant to bring together people to coordinate a lot of the efforts inside of DHS. That means law enforcement. That means emergency services like FEMA. They've all been doing counter-disinformation efforts for a while to give us accurate information about uh, uh, human rights abuses, but also about disasters and where people can get assistance. So coordinating that activity, making it speak with one voice, and being a stronger advocate to tech companies and engaging the public and academia, that's really what they're after. But oh, that sounds like common sense. But when I Google this, all I see is like Joe Biden's Ministry of Truth, and they're going to, you know, like it's this, there's this incredible backlash to something that sounds like basic government bureaucracy. It is basic government bureaucracy. And around the world, what we're asking for governments to do is to step up more and to play a bigger role in advocating for people. The mm. big litmus test is, is civil society included? Is the media included? And so far, everything we've heard about the board, which is new and just started, right. shows us that that is the intention, is to be fully transparent and to demand more from our government in terms of how they protect us from disinformation and enable us to have information that protects our country mm. and advances our ability to survive in a, in a major incident, for instance. Mm. <clears throat> uh, so what'd she say? Government bureaucracy, right? It's called uh, government bullshit. This is just a spin master on CNN on uh, quote-unquote reliable sources with Brian Stelter. Yeah, I believe that, right? Um, I pose this question. Okay, so I think Lauren Boebert just tried to, I don't know if they're, if what they're doing with this, if it's going to happen or not, but, um, she's trying to get a, put a halt to this, uh, governance board or whatever you want to call it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and, uh, I think it's interesting. Okay, I'll say this about that. Um, what if, or what when, I should say, you have... Um, <laughs> okay, so right now you got Biden's president. Okay. You have the disinformation, whatever. Um, let's assume that Trump or um, DeSantis wins president in 24 okay you still have the disinformation governments whatever it's called governance board right you still have that because that's an agency now set up in the dhs okay so when you have a new president and like i said let's just assume that it's trump or desantis but whatever so you know my all these all these uh secretary of whatever agencies they're going to be gone Right, so you'll have the new president, you know, elect or select people to take over these spots. This chick, whatever in hell her name is, I can't think of her name, but the the lady that's uh, you know supposedly running the um, governance board, right? She will um, she will be fired, or she will be let go, or. Um, Sorry, I'm looking up something. <laughs> um, you know, she'll be gone. So then you put someone else in there. So now, let's say over the next two years, you have 
a situation of um, constant whateverness, you know, with um, with this governance board. So anything you might tweet or Facebook or whatever, anything that I might say on this show or different podcasts might say, who's to say that you're going to see this board in action, so to speak, whether it's under the guides of this board, if they, if, if it's DHS or FEMA or the NSA or the FBI or whoever. Now, if there's uh, valid threats towards whatever, then yeah, those should be investigated. But if it's people just speaking their opinions on things, whatever those things are, you're entitled to your own opinion. <laughs> I said this the other day. It doesn't matter if you're wrong or not. It's up to the person that you're telling this tale to, to whether or not it's true or not. I, I say this all the time. Anytime I, I, we talk about a subject and we're going over things, especially if it's oddball shit. And I think even the Ghost of Key, for example, we talked about in February when we were calling bullshit on the thing. I was like, look it up. Every time I, I, we tell a story here, we go over a, a different situation, and I find an oddball article, I tell you, look it up, and I give you the fucking article in the show notes. If you look it up, you, you do. If you don't, you don't. That's on you. If you want to believe me, cool. I don't think I'm going to lead you astray. I say a lot of shit on this show. Chris says a lot of shit on this show. And... We, like I've said before, we're right a lot more than we're wrong. And we're going to get into the, um, the Durham report here in the next couple of days about everything that we talked about a few months ago is coming about. But guess what? Nobody's fucking talking about it. Why? Because the truth is actually coming out. But like I said, that's a show for another day, and we will. We will get to that. But... I've got two more things to go over. So now, here is your beloved, uh, you know, the head of the disinformation governance board. So now, she was uh, evidently, she big time on the ticker talk. Uh, so here, her name is Nina Jankowicz. Jankowicz? Janko? I don't know, whatever. So... Now, I don't know if you've heard this song. This is a song she did on TikTok because, you know, she's 12. And um, if, you've, if you've seen this video, if you've heard the song, then you'll understand what I'm talking about. It. But if you haven't, listen to what she's saying. And if you can't quite make it out, rewind this and listen to it again. It's in the tune of the, uh, the uh, what's that, uh, Mary Poppins, whatever, Um I can't think of, I, 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 what's it called? <laughs> I can't even think of the song, but nonetheless, listen to the song and uh, just listen to what she's saying. Bombering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. 
It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared bad intel from Ukraine, or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain, they're laundering disinfo when we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote. Oh, information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So this information's origin seems likely less atrocious. <laughs> Yeah, that's the head of your new uh, governance, disinformation governance board. And she says stuff in this song that is that is disinformation. If you had COVID and you had no issues, like I had COVID and I had no issues, is that disinformation? I had COVID. I can fucking show you the report. <laughs> I had no issues. So therefore, I can say COVID isn't that bad for me. Is it bad for other people? Sure. Is there extenuating circumstances as to why those are? I'm sure. But you can't paint everything with a broad brush and say COVID's bad, period. Right? It should be up to you to make that decision up. I can say whatever in the fuck I want. Why? Huh. <laughs> First Amendment. First Amendment says that I can say whatever the fuck I want. As long as I'm not making threats to whomever or in the middle of a uh, movie theater and yell fire. Other than that, I can pretty much say whatever I want, whether it's bullshit or not. It's up to you to believe what I'm saying or not believe what I'm saying. And, I, and like I said, we say a lot of shit. Look it up. <laughs> Speaking of the First Amendment, we're going to talk about the Second Amendment. And we here in Florida are finally on the precipice of, of glory into the Second Amendment. Governor Ronnie Double D. DeSantis comes out the other day and says, Florida legislature will pass a con uh, constitutional carry gun law. Oh, I can't fucking wait. Governor Ron DeSantis reaffirmed his, his support for an open carry law for firearms, which supporters call constitutional carry, and predicted the Florida legislator will get it done. I can't tell you if it's going to be next week, six months from now, but I can tell you before I'm done as governor, we will have a signature on that bill. Oh, I can't fucking wait. I just pray to God it's it's similar exactly the same as uh as George's because <laughs> it's pretty self explanatory. I told my wife I say I need to buy me a nice nice holst hol you know, nice holster for my uh nineteen eleven. I can rock my Colt nineteen eleven in there. Got me some forty five hydroshock. Oh yeah. Give me some spurs, put on my flip flop. Oh, joking but seriously she's like well i don't think you can do that i don't think that's right i don't think that's how it is <laughs> it's exactly how it is and uh sugar water to ron DeSantis. i do not want to lose him as a governor but i'm telling you right now he'll make a great president i'm hoping hopefully i'm very hopeful in the fact that maybe trump will run be president we have ron for the next four years
you have Trump, then Ron can run, and we'll have him for eight years as president. You guys will love it. You'll love it. It'll be huge. <laughs> All right, guys. With that being said, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a lid on the day. Um, not quite an hour, a little bit shorter. That's fine. It's Monday. I'm tired. Had a long day at work today. So sugar water. But I will be back Wednesday. Uh, you're welcome. With that being said, today is Monday, May second, two thousand twenty-two. I'll be back here Wednesday. I hope you guys will be too. Please follow us on our social media platform. Go to our website, don'ttreadonmerica.com. And please, most importantly, no matter what podcast app you're listening to this on, please share this with your friends. Give us a five-star rating. Let's keep this chain rolling. Blowing up right now in in Colorado. Uh, For some reason, thank you for the folks that are out there listening to the show and spreading the uh, DTOM word. Uh, Really do appreciate it. Well, let's keep this train rolling, and uh, I'll be back here Wednesday, and also don't forget Friday, Deton Files, guys. Chris will be back. We'll have, I really hope, I'm not speaking out of turn, but he says he's going to be back, so I believe him. All right, guys, you have a great day, and I will see you, or talk to you at least, on uh, Wednesday. Peace out.